0: I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. We'll begin together at verse 1. Where Moses writes, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, The people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off your gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, cast it in the image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you, I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord as God and said, O Lord, Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why would the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham Isaac and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land that I promised I will give to your descendants and they'll inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring on his people. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Have you ever wondered when you read the scripture and all the various stories that we hear, why at some time God just doesn't go, I give up, I quit, I I, I give. I can't take it anymore, I can't do it anymore, I'm done, it's over, finished. But God doesn't seem to do that. I mean, I wonder why why God just doesn't scratch his head sometimes and go, "Why, why in the world did I do this? What was I thinking when I created these people? This is one of those times when God got just about as close as God gets to being ready to give up on his people. Think about it. God had heard the cry of the children of Israel when they're enslaved in Egypt. He calls Moses. Has Moses then to go to the Pharaoh to tell the Pharaoh to let his people go? There are amazing miracles that occur and plagues and other signs to show that this is the Almighty God. The power and the might are there to lead the children out. Pharaoh finally relents and and the children are released they they start heading out toward the Red Sea and and there the the sea is before them and the soldiers are behind them and they think it's over but this amazing powerful Almighty God is able to peel back back the waters of the Red Sea and and the children of Israel are able to cross on the dry land and they are protected and saved and cared for and. Well, when they're hungry, God brings bread from heaven, known as manna, for them to eat as they're out in the wilderness. When they think that they are going to thirst to death because there's no water in sight, out of a rock, God is able to provide water for the people. When they were tired of the manna, He offers them quail to be able to eat. I mean, it's amazing what God had done leading them to the promised land, a land that would be flowing with Milk and honey. But God has now called Moses up onto the mountain, the holy mountain of God, where God is sharing with him the covenant that he is to come down and offer to his people. But, well, Moses was up there for a while. Seemed just like a little bit too long. And after a while, the people just. They started going, we don't know what's happening to Moses. Do you think Moses is going to come back? Where's Moses? I don't know. You heard anything from Moses? Haven't heard yet. I wonder if he's ever come back. wonder if something happened to him. And pretty soon uh, the crowd gets a little restless. Probably formed a committee. We don't know. But it, they're religious people. We do committees. They come up then to Aaron. Aaron, the brother of Moses, the one when Moses had said, you know, I'm not able to speak, God. I'm not an eloquent speaker. God said, well, call Aaron, call Aaron, your brother. And and I will give my words to him and and he can speak for you. Aaron had witnessed everything that God had done firsthand. I mean, just read the early part of Exodus. You'll hear Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron. I mean, Aaron saw these mighty wonders of God. As a matter of fact, when they're before the Pharaoh, it was Aaron's rod that he drops down that becomes the serpent. Aaron saw firsthand God's amazing power. But the people come up to Aaron and they go, make a God for us. Make gods for us to lead us. And you would hope that Aaron would be going, are you kidding me? After all that God has done, you seriously want that? There's no way I'm going to participate in that. Not only did Aaron watch them, but Aaron participated in it. Aaron was the one who, who then says, all right, bring me your gold. I mean, just imagine... What's happening here? Earlier, if you just back up a couple chapters in Exodus, you'll see that God had just been giving them the instructions of of how to build the tabernacle, that that place where God would dwell among them, where God, the, the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who led them out of Egypt, that this God would always be in their midst. And it's almost like they forgot about it. What have you done for me lately? Kind of thing. Make us gods. I mean, just just think that through for a moment. Aaron, make us gods that will lead us. I mean, you just said to a human being, make something with human hands that we will then claim to be our God who will lead us. It just seems absolutely absurd. With all that you have just seen, God leading you with a cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night, all the miracles. Nope, make us something that we'll call God. And disappointingly, Aaron gives in. He becomes the priest for God, but just... To see it that Aaron, Aaron gives in. It's, it's almost like he looked at the opinion polls rather than listening to God. It was almost like he became more of a politician than he did a leader of the people of God on behalf of God. Well, it's what the people wanted. The polls show. But we're the people of God. We don't go by the polls. We go by the word of God and Aaron yet gives in to the people and he collects the gold. He melts it down, forms it into an image of a calf. Now, when you look at the New Interpreter Study Bible, it reminds us a little bit of why it was a calf. And it said, as a young bull, the calf symbolized strength, leadership and fertility and was a common symbol for deities, for the gods, little g gods, in the ancient Near East. Let's let's just have a God that's like everybody else's gods. It's interesting, too, that back in Exodus chapter 20, we had the Ten Commandments. and And the first commandment is no other gods, no idols. I mean, look at Exodus 20, verse 1. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Whether in the form that is anything in heaven above or that's on the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. I mean, they're, they're violating the very commands of the God who led them out. You shall not have any other gods. You shall not create idols and you shall not bow down and worship them. But they knocked them all out pretty quick. So when you read verse four of Exodus 32, you see that he melted it down to a calf. And then the people said, catch this. The people then say, these are the gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, seriously, we just made this critter. We just made this idol. And yet we're going, this is the God who actually brought us out of Egypt. How, how soon they forgot. How soon? How, how could you dare give this idol the credit for making you who you are today? We're told that the next day they, they even made burnt offerings. Aaron builds an altar in front of the golden calf. They, they then make burnt offerings. They offer sacrifices to this idol. And we're told they even began to revel. Well, that, that word it's kind of implying they began to have a wild party. They began to to dance and to laugh, as some versions may say. But if you actually look at the Hebrew, it's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis 26, verse 8, that refers to Isaac loving And having pleasure with his wife, Rachel. What it means is that there are sexual overtones here of things that are happening there. This is a party gone bad. This is a celebration that is way out of hand. And God hears the noise. And God is livid. Exodus 32 verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. I mean, catch that. Go down at once, your people. Be careful not to read the Bible too fast sometimes. We miss some of the subtleties. But it's almost as if God has now distanced, He didn't say, My people. Your people. Now, some of you have kids that are joining us for worship now. And and, and if you're like our family, I mean, I, I always knew when I got home, if I heard your son or your daughter. I mean, once they became mine, that meant something had gone wrong. You know, and sometimes we would go, you know, your son, your daughter, you know, and and read the parable of the prodigal son. You hear the same thing where, you know, your son or this brother of yours. It's when we start distancing and and God is using language of this is these are your people now. I'm done. Your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt, they've acted perversely. And that Hebrew word means to go to ruin. These people, your people, are ruined. They've just gone to ruin. They've turned. Listen to what God says in that scripture. He goes, look at what they've done. They they created an image, which they knew better than doing, but they've actually worshipped it. You're not to worship another God. There's not another real God, but yet they've worshipped that. They've made sacrifices to it, but they've even given it the credit. After I delivered them out of Egypt, after I performed signs and miracles, after I separated the water for them to cross by, after I fed them in the wilderness, after I gave them water out of a rock, after I led them by day and led them again by night, after I have done all these things, they are now giving this little idol made with human hands the credit for all that I have done. Psalm 106 verse 19 and following, shows again God's objection. It says, They made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a cast image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works by the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So this is the point where God goes, step back, get out of my way. Let me at I am done with these people. And he even says, now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And he looks over Moses and goes, we'll just start over with you. I'll make from you a great nation. I mean, before it was with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and, and their descendants. But we're going to draw the line right here. I'm starting over. Get out of my way, Moses. I'll, I'll bless you in a minute. And we'll keep going. I'm done with these people. Step back. And Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. That's the role of a priest that Aaron seems to have forgotten. That's the role of a pastor. That's the role of a religious leader is to intercede on behalf of the people. And he goes, what will the Egyptians say? That you did all these signs and wonders just to bring the people out here to die? What what kind of God would that make you? And remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Remember what you said. And I love verse 14 because God changes his mind. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring upon his people. I mean, I love the fact that God can change his mind, that we're in a real-time dynamic relationship with God that not everything's been completely predetermined, but we can have a relationship with God where God flexes and changes his mind. And even though God is hurt, cut to the core, he's been betrayed, all the things that he had said, thou shalt not do, they they were doing and flaunting it right in front of God giving credit to a false God, God still loves his people. Isn't that amazing? That God has always so loved the world. And deep down, God loved these people even though they had rejected him so incredibly and God did not want to destroy them. The Wesley Study Bible places a note that says the golden calf narrative serves as a warning to God's people against the grave danger of apostasy. That's turning away from God, rejecting your faith. But most profoundly reveals the internal character of God to be love and mercy. I mean, the people have just gone wild. And yet God changes his mind because God so loves. And if you keep reading the Exodus story, well, God renews the covenant with his people. And you know the rest of the story. He leads them into the promised land. And you know the rest of the story that he eventually will give his only begotten son for them and for us. When we listen to this story, it's it's sometimes just incredible. We go, how, how in the world, how in the world could a people who've experienced all that God has done, how in the world could a people who had seen so many miracles and stories passed down from generation to generation, how could a people who were the people of God with this miraculous sign after sign after sign in front of them, how could they have rejected God? And then if we're honest, we'll take a good look at ourselves and go, but you know, they didn't even know the rest of the story. They didn't know about God intervening through Jesus Christ. They didn't know about a God who's willing to die on a cross that we could be forgiven. They didn't know about the story of the resurrection and the offer of everlasting life. They didn't know the promise of the Holy Spirit who would always be with us. They turned, but how in the world could we ever turn? Edmund Burke, who was an Irish statesman and a philosopher, said, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. It's one of the reasons we have to, to hear this story again, because we know more of the story. And yet, if we really look at our lives, how many times do we demand idols? We, we want something new and and we love to worship something that we've made with our own hands, or acquired with our own hands, and, and if it's made out of gold or material things, all the better. If we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. I mean, we watched Aaron, who was the religious leader of his time. We watched him begin to look at the poles of the people and the desires of the people. More than focusing on the Word from God, how often do we see that today? Where our religious leaders are more concerned with what people may want or what might attract some people rather than being faithful to the Word and the will of God. But that's, that's the easy thing to do. That's why so many times we in the church and leaders in the church seem more like political leaders than we do spiritual leaders. Because we're trying to please the crowds more than we are being faithful to our God. Those of us who don't know our history, we're doomed to to repeat it. The idolatry begins. We start worshiping other things. The apostasy begins. We reject our faith and who we are as the people of God. And the reveling begins. It just starts going wild and chaotic. And if you don't believe there are sexual overtones, if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. It's no wonder God said, step back. It makes us wonder if God would look at his world today and go, step back, move out of my way, get ready. I'm done with these people. I've had it. I've had it. And yet, amazingly, We have a God who, in spite of it all, loves us more than he hates what we've done. We have a God who loves us more than he hates our failures and our sin and our brokenness and our rejection our idolatry, our apostasy. And Paul said, we have a God who proves his love and that while we're yet sinners in the midst of the reveling party, is willing to die for us. God changed his mind and he renewed the covenant. And the good news for us is, is that no matter how bad we may have turned and rejected and worshiped other gods, offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, chosen idols of things that we could make with our hands. You have a God who wants to renew the covenant. The brokenness can be forgiven, whoever you are, whatever you've done. If God could forgive the children of Israel, then God desires to forgive you. And I think that pr- cross is a pretty good sign of how much God loves you and how much God loves me. So here are the good news. Although God may be tempted at times to go, I'm done. Our God is a God of love and mercy who chooses to love you anyway. And offers with you a new covenant. If you will repent of your sin to turn. And to receive him as Savior and Lord. The covenant can be fresh. And God will lead you into a blessed life. And an eternal life with him. Will you pray with me? God we give you thanks for your love and grace. Because not only did the Hebrew people at times push you to where you might be ready to throw in the towel, wash your hands, be done. We've done the same thing. I've done it. We've all at some point in our lives probably caused you to be just about ready to quit. But God, we're grateful that you're not a God who gives up on us. But that your love for us, your mercy, your grace is so incredible and so amazing, so infinite. That you'll give us another chance and offer a new covenant. So God, we ask that you would forgive us now. Cleanse us for our brokenness and the times we have worshipped other idols or turned away from you, whatever our reveling might have been in our own way. God, we ask that you would cleanse us, renew our relationship with you, renew our covenant with you, and give us a fresh start as your people, your people, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.